Welcome to Sonic Talk number 296. Well, this is the one before Christmas, hence my tartan uh, garage. Well, it's probably a 50p hat from somewhere, I think. I doubt if I would have splashed out on anything too uh, pricey from the haberdasherist or the hat shop. So anyway, welcome and uh, thank you for joining us. I can't believe we're finally at the the one before Christmas. It seems to have suddenly crept up. and here it is. I'm going to quickly, before I get any further, I'm going to go and get Gaz, because Gaz is actually... Uh, oh, here he comes. That's all right. He's he's joining us, so that's absolutely fine. So I'm going to start with you, Mike, because you're here. Mike Gregg uh, from um, um, Mazulu. No, damn, I haven't got my notes ready. Damn. That's all right. Um, Mazaru. Mazaru is a Mizaru, that's company, right. but I'm actually in Middlesbrough College in one of the studios today. That's where I am at the moment, in my little... Uh, I should I, I should get a straight jacket now so I can bounce off the walls for a little while. The, so right is this here. the is this the kind of truck one of the uh, teaching suites? I can see you've got a Genelec ten is that a twen, ten twenty nine or ten thirty or no that's the the little eighty thirties I think it is. Ah, okay, and what's or that? The eighty twenties. Um, it's a small small little five point one suite in here with a couple of uh, Euphonics MC controls yeah, and MC I've... mix. Um, and it's linked up to a Pro Tools HD system through another rack room over there somewhere. Excellent. And it's also linked up to another five recording studios and a massive live room here as well. So it's quite an interesting little box, this one, but it's it's fine and quiet for for those solitary moments, let's see. Right, I, I've just realised I've got to get straight over to Gaz, uh, to, not to Gaz, uh, to Mark, because Mark has to, has to be gone by 4.20. Um, he's had a, uh, a play date for his son to pick up. So I'm going to switch to him. He's got the fabulous, rather fabulous silhouette of uh, what looks like a, a model of... Is that another... Um, um, or what head? <coughs> One of those heads? I'm afraid it is becoming a bit of an obsession. I think it's fantastic. I think you should just have, have them all over the walls and menacing looking down at you, challenging you to output something creative. Not that you have Indeed. problems with that. How are you, yes. Mark? You well? I'm very well. I've got to tell you about my video. Yes, you've got a video, my haven't Christmas you? Song, That's right, we, the Christmas song. We've done how, a video. How, how's that all going? Oh, well, lots of people are watching it and lots of people are uh, listening to the song on SoundCloud. And I don't know if it's me and I've maybe put the link in the wrong place, but that's not translating into a huge number of sales. So if you're feeling um, altruistic at this uh, season, seasonal time, then please click on the link uh, to iTunes and actually buy it rather than just enjoying it. Uh, that, I guess that's the tricky part. But also, I mean, the thing is about uh, sales. It's not just about sales. It also counts to downloads, which will uh, affect your chart position, right? Yes, absolutely. Well, absolutely. absolutely. Yeah. So uh, we are trying for the Christmas number one, but if we've only sold one copy, then perhaps. <laughs> well, no. If it was at one, then you would have a Christmas number one, as it were. <laughs> it would be one at Christmas. So I mean, there's a sort of, uh, there's yeah, a sort I, of. It's actually an extraordinary lesson in marketing because I've done all the right things. Maybe I've left it a bit late, but in terms of like having all the right things in place to to um, have a saleable record, I've got a catchy tune. I've got a good video. I've been tweeting like mad. It's been on Facebook. People are sharing it left, right, and center. Lots of people are playing it. Loads of people have clicked like. All those things have happened. 
But in terms of translating that into actual physical or downloadable sales in the iTunes yeah. Music Store, it just doesn't happen. And I just wonder if that, the rest of the industry is like that. And then it makes me wonder how on earth that young man who's at number one sold 490,000 copies. Well, that's, that's easy because he had eight weeks of primetime TV exposure. And, well, became, and, and became a brand. So, I mean, everybody knows who he is. It's pretty straightforward. But, yeah, that, that's an awful lot of sales. I know. That's James oh, Arthur, of course, you're talking about, um, from X Factor, who actually, rather disturbingly, has got quite a good voice and seems to be a kind of fairly well-put-together, well-rounded individual, which is a bit disturbing, considering he's well, about that? to be ruined by, <laughs> by Simon Cowell's pop machine. Well, it's actually quite a nice song, and I almost bought it, but then the only reason I haven't bought it is because I don't want to, like, jeopardise my chance. No, one sale for him is one <laughs> sale away <laughs> from you, isn't it? Maybe what you should do <laughs> is... Con- his, it will negate my sale, won't it? You should contact him and do a sw- offer to swap. He buys yours, you'll buy his. How's that? That would make a bit of uh, PR. What I'm asking people to do, which is to not avoid the issue of suicide at Christmas and to talk about it, is perhaps a little bit beyond some people's comfort zone. So I'm, I'm not sure. I think he's probably uh, he'd probably be quite open to that because I know he was. Uh, I, I, I'm sounding like I'm the expert. It's because my daughter watches it, and we had a competition every week that whoever got um, he he was on my team and I won basically. But what happened is on the Sunday night when the voting happened. Uh, the person whose who's, who's person on their team got voted out had to run down to the lamppost with a pair of underpants on their head shouting while we shouted at the door uh, laughing, look, look, there goes mummy with pants on her head kind of thing. <laughs> I'm probably saying far too much information. Anyway, Mark, uh, uh, thank you for joining us. Very interesting. <laughs> That's the habits of our family. Um, we'll go now to, um, let's see if we can get to Dave Spears, who's the, in, he's not in, 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 in very similar very similar looking background, Dave, but not actually the background. <laughs> Let me see if I can find you there. Yeah, that, that chuckle will introduce you. <laughs> How are you, Dave? I'm okay, thank you. Thank you yeah. very much for, uh, for coming to us um, last week. I know it was probably quite tricky and uh, very kind of the underworld people to uh, allow you to monopolise their bandwidth. Dave Spears, of course, G4 software, rack extensions, software instruments, all those kind of things. And a collector of fine looking hardware collector of old tat old tat <laughs> no lovely old tat um so how have you been Are you ready for christmas no okay i just moved house haven't i so oh jesus uh, well you've actually moved oh yeah 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 we've been in like three weeks now oh i didn't realize you'd actually moved i thought they were doing it up while you and then you were going to move when it was ready no no god we're not that wealthy i no. know people who go on holiday and have builders in and we're just like we're so envious of people who can do that no no no, no. there is an extension being built but they had to get <laughs> the foundations in uh before plane permission ran out so that uh, had to be done immediately we moved in and now they've all buggered off and they're coming back in the new year yeah. so i've just been spending my time trying to get everything ready so that i can have some kind of break and then oh and in between putting stuff up on walls that seems to be a man's job i'm an expert yeah. at hammering nails and drilling into walls and putting mirrors and pictures up and um tv remote controls i'm very good at those yeah um dave yes haven't we got any batteries why haven't we got any batteries dave exactly because <laughs> you just used the last lot up dear <laughs> i don't they don't breed I did buy myself a really cool manly drill, like, you know, like one of those cordless things. Oh, yeah. 12, 20 volts, man. 20 volts. Yeah, uh, it was, it's a right pucker thing. Has it got a hammer attached? Is it a hammer oh, drill? 
It's got two batteries, so you can just hot swap them. Yeah, yeah, no, that's it. You're you're there. Now all you need is one of those belts that you can sort of slot it in with and hold screws and screwdrivers in as well. Uh, Yeah, I've got that, but that's only for the bedroom. (laughs) (laughs) It's like a giant leather cod piece. (laughs) Anyway... Right, we'll go to Gaz Williams, who's been waiting patiently there. Well, Gaz Williams, who's in his uh, his lovely garret there. You'll have to speak, and then Gaz will be uh, will will appear in a window. Oh, hello! Oh my goodness, you're a really fully uh, you're you're at about um, eleven kilohertz, I'd say, oh, and no. one bit video by the looks I, of things. But that doesn't matter. You oh. look how I feel, Gaz. Yeah. Oh, I got. I mean, I pl- I'm plugged into the. I, I'm not over Wi-Fi now. I'm plugged in. That's not fair. I've got to get a new. I've got to get a new internet. Uh, hello, everybody. Um, yes, I've been having a really good old time over the last few days. Um, up to some crazy stuff. Um, got a wicked gig on Friday. If anyone's around in Bristol, in the old e, the old England in Montpellier, it's uh, it's I'm playing with with the world government. Oh yes. And uh, that's kind of cool because it's a pure improvisation gig. Are you on iPad? I know I'm going to do it on base. But, ah, uh, right, okay. Has your uh, iPad been banned then from the gig now? <laughs> no, I could, I could use it. But to be honest, I'm just uh, I'm playing around at the moment with that Wahoo filter pedal. So this, that's going to be a really good gig for that sort of thing because it's, uh, it's kind of just like really dirty, raw sort of party funk. That's the sort of, that's the vibe of it. Oh, uh, nice. That's good. Hey, you're, um, you're, you, you seem to have become unfiltered now. Your, your bandwidth has improved. They've, somebody has opened the tap a little bit for you. <laughs> Um, but um, I, well, I'm, I'm playing around as well with a multi-wave distortion, and that's quite interesting because, as opposed to regular distortion, a multi-wave distortion sort of uh, it splits the signal into like ten bands, then distorts all the bands individually, and then recombines it. So, oh, wow, like, cool. so it means you can, like, especially with the bass, if you're doing like kind of chordal kind of stuff. Now, if you do with distortion, because of just the amount of intermodulation and all that kind of stuff going on, it just tends to get really mushy. But like. Multi-wave distortion means you get this immense clarity across everything, so you can play chords and it'll all. So you get all That's that. Interesting. Well, I look forward to hearing that. Uh, we're going to move quickly on, just purely because Mark, Mark is uh, as under okay. extreme time constraints. He's got a ten-minute. I'm guessing, Mark, that perhaps the first topic you might actually be interested in is the uh, is the Mayan. Because, of course, as well as this being the last show before Christmas, it could potentially be the last show before the end of the world, according to the Mayan uh, prophecy. And I, I had a little video that I just wanted to play, just because it's a bit of fun. Uh, see if I can get this to play. Um, this will be for UK people only. We're doomed. <laughs> Don't be quiet, Fraser. We're entombed. Entombed. <laughs> marooned. Marooned. <laughs> there we go. That was uh, um, uh, Fraser um, from Dad's Army, who was uh, cons- consequently always said, we're doomed, which is sort of what's going to happen on Friday, apparently. Although... The Mayans did predict it um, another time, and it didn't happen then, clearly. So uh, I think there was a question, what instrument will you play before then? Is there something you'd like to do before Friday, sort of with a music technology angle, if possible? We don't want any kind of uh, stalking kind of uh, anecdotes here. Um, But uh, Mike, does does college end before the the world ends? uh... Well, actually, we've got this big staff conference on on Friday, so there's going to be the entire staff in the in the main hall so if it's going to end it would be a good way to end it because it would mean it would get everybody in one place at the same time <laughs> excellent 
I'm just trying to f- chase you. Oh, there you are, because uh, we lost again. we lost a mark. Uh, but I, I don't know if Mark's coming back. I, I hope so. <laughs> Have I said the wrong? <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, so therefore, I, I suppose there's time to write that that difficult second album. Certainly, get you you get your skates on, wouldn't you? And you'd want it. Then you could sort of send it somewhere where it would be for posterity. Absolutely. I think it's. Uh... I think it's important to make sure that I have a an iPad app with me in my sort of rucksack, along with a couple of cans of beans. So when Armageddon does come, at least hopefully I'll have four hours of musical bliss before everything's done, really. That's what I'm hoping <laughs> on. <laughs> yeah, no, that's a great idea. Ah, Skype's crashed. Unbelievable, says uh, says Mark. Okay, well, maybe that's a signifier to what's actually going to happen. I know, Dave Spears... Um, any uh, any any thoughts? Or is it just a normal day, <laughs> the day the world ends? Not do tech support, perhaps. That'd be nice, just for one day. Actually, that would really would be funny. Um, I don't know what I'd do with the music technology angle. I'd just probably turn it all on and contribute to the big melting pot. Oh, that's it. Just just have a massive synth jam. That's a great yeah. idea. Probably. I like the sound of that. I'd probably uh, just look at it as I die. Oh, bless. Happy Christmas. Gaz, any cheery thoughts? Do you subscribe to this notion? Uh, No. No. Glad to Uh, (laughs) But um, I wonder, though, you know, like the the famous brown note, if there's a certain note that you could find, you know, a very particular frequency that could actually just blow the earth apart and sort of try and beat them to it. Ah, Okay. Uh, but um, yeah, I suppose it's something to work. Less, on. something I, something cheerful to work on. I'm just kind of seeing suddenly the prophecy becoming true, and it being my fault. So yeah, yeah no, that would be. Imagine, imagine you started the kind of brown note chain reaction that kind of kicked it all off. Um, let's see where Mark is. I don't know if he's uh, if we've got him back. Let's see if we can get him back now. And then because I, I think he might have something to say, and he's only got six minutes before. So this is, this is going to be a terrible... What we've actually got, not only have we got a limitation, Mark, we've got, you've got six minutes before, you're, before the show start, stops and possibly the end of the world. So what are you going to do? <laughs> what am I going to do if it's the end of the world? I think... Um, I did hear what the topic was going to be about, and... Uh, I don't know. If, uh, if it was really going to be the end of the world and I had some warning about it, I would just carry on doing exactly what I'm doing now because who's to say that what... I'm doing now isn't the most wonderful thing that I could be doing, if that makes any sense. In other words, this experience, whatever this experience is now, surely this experience is is the experience to be having, and not the not, not the, the one, one you're I not having. I yeah. imagine. Yeah. But the idea that the world might end on the 21st of December 2012 is utterly pre- preposterous. Preposterous. But yeah, I think because you're right. What? Uh, because, uh, like, who invented that calendar, or why did they invent that calendar, or how do calendars even come about, and all that? I mean, time. Does time really exist? Yeah, there's <laughs> a question. There's a counter question. <laughs> Answer me this, Mayan. What time is it exactly? Um, exactly. What's, what's quite yeah. interesting about this, apparently there's a little village, a uh, French village called Bougarach, in uh, a population 189, where there's a mountain, which, according to the Mayans, is the exact location the way you will be safe from... <laughs> from this and they've been getting visitors that has been increased they had 20,000 people climb up this little mountain uh, uh, and it's just been going absolutely bonkers and the the, the mayor it said already this year more than 20,000 people have climbed up to the top and last year we had 10,000 hikers which was a significant rise from the past 12 months they think the Pic de Baccarat is a uh, a garage for UFOs 
And uh, <laughs> you have to remember, though, that the Mayans also believed that a lizard ate a firefly and exploded and wakes up every morning. And this happens every day, by the way, but he wake, I think he wakes up every morning on the uh, western horizon in a pile of twigs and they catch light and that's their kind of belief about the sun they have all this weird Jesus, that's pretty abstract all isn't sorts it? of things so that yeah that's quite abstract science it? has moved on hasn't it has, has my, has my technology now synthesizers i wonder, and I wonder what what technology did the mayans contribute musically i mean they're, they're ancient mexican civilization aren't they Oh, they must have uh, they must have contributed gold-plated connectors. One would think <laughs> they were, but chocolate. <laughs> well, I, I mean, I suffice to say, I think we could uh, we could probably say that that is actually not going to happen. So don't worry, everybody. But if it does, um, there will be a disclaimer at the end of the show, and uh, maybe we'll get more more YouTube videos than usual because um, people will just the last thing they want to do before the world ends is watch this episode of Sonic Touch, uh, Sonic Talk, even, and the episode of Sonic Touch, which we just put up the, today as well. But uh, yeah, it's a bit of a non-topic that really. Um, I'm going to. Uh, oh, what, is there something else? Else that you want to get in quickly before you go because i know you're you're really tied for time aren't you mark you've got um, like two minutes or uh, well i really ought to leave actually all so right. uh, well maybe so that would be that i would mean be the... all all i really want to say is merry christmas to everybody and thank you so much for listening to all of our nonsense every week because i really enjoy doing this and the opportunity to do it is fabulous so yes, uh, yeah, merry yeah. christmas to all of you guys as well thanks mate i hope you have a good one Thank you. I hope we and do of too. Of course, go and buy my bloody song. <laughs> <laughs> yes, do or that I'll kill too. Myself. Uh, so, uh, that's sometimes suicide dot com. Yes. Go for it, Mark. Thank you. Right. What do I do? Do I hang you up? I'm not sure. How, it doesn't. I don't know. Leave me running, and if you could leave you running, if you mute, if you mute your that. mic and leave you running, then it won't upset the delicate balance of the Skype layout. That would be good. Yeah, and then when I. When I come in, if you're still here, I'll give you a wave. Oh, okay. All right, that sounds brilliant. Thank you, Mark. Right, so back to uh, back to the next topic. Now, Gaz, this is going to involve you, really, because you're the one who's been, uh, have, who has had access to uh, Ableton Live 9 Beta, which is in Beta, obviously. And uh, have you had a chance to play around with it? Because we wanted to just get a few of your thoughts, because this is going to be a fairly free-form show, because, frankly, the world's going to end, and, you know, we just talk about what we want, really. Uh, yes, I have. I have. Um, yeah, I've, I, I've got sort of mixed feelings about it, really, so far. I mean, not particularly negative feelings, um, just in terms of uh, I wonder if it's quite enough after such a long wait, you know, in terms of there's a, there's a whole bunch of things that may have been good to have seen. But saying that, there are some really significant ones in this one. Well, the, the thing that I'm really interested in is the uh, MIDI to pitch. I mean, you, is that, is that all it could be? Yeah, I've been playing around with that a lot, actually. And that's a lot of fun. Uh, and is really, really cool. Uh, I was going to say, just before you said that, was I think that the clip automation, lots and lots of people are going to be very excited about that. Because... In a way, it's crazy that it wasn't there in the first place. I suppose it is quite complicated when you think about it. Uh, Ableton Live, I'm sure everyone knows, it has these, these two modes, doesn't it? It has the regular arrange page and it has the session page. The session page is where you can kind of uh, approach music in a non-linear fashion. Uh, and so in the non-linear fashion way now, you can actually record automations into each of the clips. Um, so that's pretty cool. And you can definitely see that 
the 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 push that's coming out that uh, it wouldn't be able to work really unless it it did have that. How does the clip automation work? Because one of the things that I notice with, uh, you know, just in linear fashion, if you're yeah. moving, if th- if you have events tied to each other, but you've got something that just you want to get, you know, you set an automation point just before the clip starts, so that you can, fl- do you know what I mean? So that it moves. If it's just outside the pattern, what happens? Doesn't you get? Doesn't that all get screwed up, or is it uh, they fix that, solve that particular problem? Yeah, I mean, it's incredibly slick. You know, I, I mean, so far, I, I mean, and to be absolutely honest, I've only had a cursory look at that side of things. So you know. I don't want to make too no, much okay. statement about that, but it just seems to be very, very nicely, uh, nicely done. And it means you know you can, as you copy clips around, you know you're taking their all their automations with them, and then when you cut them and move them around, each bit, you know, or if you if you take if you take a clip, click on it, take it into the arrange page, it takes its automation with it, and then it implants its automation then onto the onto the arrangement page, oh, okay, and vice versa as well. So you know. It's uh, it means because there is this kind of split thing in Ableton Live, the arrange page, as I mentioned, and the, the the session page, and I think that this just finally just kind of really brings them together. It makes the it, it just that's very good. I think as a long term, I've been a long term user of this software now for ten years or so, so it's great to see that. The pitch to MIDI though, that is uh, that's another thing altogether, and. Um, now, we've seen this in a number of software so far. Um, Melodyne, you could turn your Melodyne in, uh, thing into a, a, you know, once you've got your blobs, as they're called, in Melodyne parlance, you can render a MIDI track out of that. Well, now you can do that sort of, but within Ableton Live. And, it, and it's quite interesting because you could take, uh, take a piece of uh, audio and then and you've got three different types of render. You can render it as a harmony as a melody or as drums and uh, the drums is really clever actually because um, you can put just like a stereo mix down of drums in and then it'll extract all the midi beats of that uh, like and it'll kind of work out what's hi-hats and what's snares and what's uh, kicks and it does it pretty cool I'm really impressed. Are you saying you can actually beatbox into it? Yeah, that would could, make my yeah. daughter just yeah. for some reason beatboxing makes her laugh hysterically. <laughs> um, you could. I, I think the thing that I really liked about it was when you put like live audio drums in, uh, the MIDI drums that you get out are incredibly usable. I think when I've dabbled with things in the past, you've just you know, yeah, it's quite interesting to do, but in a regular workflow it's just way too long a long winded a process. This gives you really quick results. And in fact, I've used it on a couple of songs already now, um, recorded with my band Rocket Goldstar. The keyboard player was playing like a Hammond organ solo, and that was recorded with microphones. Uh, and then I took that Hammond, or- uh, that Hammond solo, rendered it as a harmony, because it was uh, polyphonic, and then derived the MIDI from it, and then actually ended up having a monophonic synthesizer just kind of tracking notes from within the sort of... Uh, Within the solo, that's interesting. And the results are amazing. I really, that blew me away. I thought that was so cool. So, uh, and also I've been doing things which are quite good fun, just just to test out the algorithms. Um, I suppose I could play you something. Uh, Oh yeah, that'd be awesome. Okay, so what I'll do is, I'll, I'll grab a song at random from my iTunes library, 
I'll render it into MIDI, and then we can pl- play a little game of guess the song. Guess the song. <laughs> now that sounds like a good. Um, in the meantime, Mike, have you? I mean, I know you're. You know, I mean, you 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 use Ableton. I'm guessing you teach Ableton as well. I mean, you must have a few questions boiling up there. Yeah, um, we do a lot of Ableton Live. The main module I teach actually um, is the creative music production and live performance techniques, and. It's really cool to, to find out at last that Ableton have, has put clip automation, allowing you to record automation into the clip. Because this was a, a thing that used to come back from students time and time again, whereas they wanted to be able to record that feel, that live feel into the clip when they were maybe captured MIDI on the fly or anything like that as part of their live performance. And the only way to do that in the past was actually having to have two tracks on the go and use, you know, we, we used Macintoshes and used the inter-application bus or the IAC bus in order to do that, where we would have one clip recording actually the, the MIDI CC information in, and then it being passed through into the other clip. And then we would oh, right. group the two of these together. So essentially it was a hassle to do it, but that was the only way that you were going to get maybe a clip or a grouped clip that would allow you to have both automation and data. So I think that is one of the most powerful features for me uh, for next year. And definitely that being able to beatbox, I saw a fantastic demo of a guy beatboxing into it and it managed to distinguish between the kick, the snare and the hats from his beatboxing. Now we've got a couple of students who are awesome at beatboxing and these guys are always looking to how to use that within their live performance. And up until now, it's been more or less looping on the fly, yeah. maybe using the looper tool or using the Behringer SCB 1010 to capture the loops a bit like um, was one of the chaps on an early Ableton demo did Kid Kid Nothing or something like that. I can't remember his name. Kid Beyond, I think it was, did uh-huh. a, a lot of that stuff. Hey. But the ability to be able to do that is going to be just brilliant. One so thing, though, just, just, just jumping in there, though, just one thing to be aware of, though, that the process is an offline process the conversion process so you know I, ah, okay that would impact being able to do it as a live performance but certainly not from a studio kind of point of view ah, right. Right, i'm still right, in the process right. of converting at the moment it's taking quite a while this is albeit over a complete song and i'm sure within you know just like a four bar thing it would be almost instantaneous but at the same time you would still be coming out of play breaking the flow it so is, do- it, is it like when you consolidate a clip then, guys? So when you're yeah. consolidating, it's doing the same. Uh, it's a bit yeah. of a bump, isn't it? And then it'll create a new track. What is quite nice, though, is when you do that process, it automatically creates a track which is automatically set up with, in the case of drums, a very simple sort of simpler uh, drum kit setup, Or in the case of a, a harmony, like a, a piano. So it's just... So rather than it just creating like a MIDI thing and then you have to add a, another VST instrument to it, it just gives it you, so you can hear it straight away. And I think that's very cool. I mean, it's quite an obvious thing in a way, but um, I can play you this, what I've just done now. I hope it will come through. Let me just check and then uh, you can see if you can guess the song. It's probably, you'll hear also how it tracks a little strange over the whole mix. So I used the harmony, uh, I've used the harmony algorithm here. We're going to hear this. Ah, that's got to be Jingle Bells. No. 
Não, não. <risos> It's so familiar, it's familiar yet completely unfamiliar too. <laughs> Les Dawson. <laughs> you get it out. Joan was quizzical, studied metaphysical. Da, da, da. Ah, it's the Beatles. <laughs> Allegedly. Yeah, Maxwell Silver Hammer. Ah, I, I rec- there was definitely something. Isn't there. this rec- bizarre, though? Isn't this bizarre? Yeah, I mean, it's kind of got. Uh, it's amazing that it's got the rhythm and the and, and the essence of it. I mean, that's that's from a polyphonic recording. That's pretty. It's a folk song, you know. It's just like MIDI, you know. The dr- it's the drums. It's everything. You now know, you've so. said it. It's completely obvious, isn't it? It's better than the original. <laughs> <laughs> that's not hard. Okay. Okay. Here we go. Chorus. Bang, bang, Maxwell Silver Hammer came down on his head. Do, 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 do. You know what's going to happen? Um, we're going to get pulled from YouTube for this, <laughs> which would be really bizarre considering it. Actually, you wonder what the publishing is on this because you've actually changed. It's, it's sort of changed, isn't it? It's, it's not quite the same, but brilliant. So that does sound like, I mean, on something less complex, I mean, I could see how that would probably work pretty well, yeah? I can show you my example, actually. I could, I'll, just, uh, I'll just get that ready. Um, when you do it over the, drum tr- over the drum track, it's brilliant. I mean, what I was doing there, it was a bit unfair to the technology in a way because that was, that's not really what it's intended to do. No, sure. Uh, however, obviously, it's very interesting as well because you are able to extract all that information there, you know, which, um, which I think is, uh, it is kind of valuable as well because once you actually look at it as MIDI, there's loads of chaos there, but actually regarding the bass all that stuff's kind of pretty intact. So you can just kind of just group select a lot of the higher frequency stuff, just delete it, and then you can actually you get kind of chord sequences quite good. I should have maybe demonstrated that. Um, no, well, that that sounds brilliant. I mean, I, yeah. I, I I'm actually looking forward to getting getting a handle on that because I mean, I think you know we've talked about this before, haven't we? The ability to be able to just sort of mumble something in because I mean we've all been there where we've just sort of used the dictaphone or whatever it is or our iPhone or whatever and mumble it in and, and to be able to actually extract something meaningful from that because yeah. essentially when you're doing that in, t- in dictaphone style, it's the essence of the idea, isn't it? it? Like it's likely to be the rhythm, the tempo, the kind of ish. And if you can pull that out in this way, then that could be really powerful. Yeah. And I mean, what I was saying about the drums, you see, one thing that is amazing with drums is, is when you actually put it onto an audio drum track, it really is bang in time. It's tight. And that's a cool thing, you know. Right. It actually, so straight away as a drum replacer tool, rather than using like something like Drumagog and going through everything, which is really cool, but it's quite a long-winded process. It's like instant results, you know, of audio and MIDI, bang, locked together. So if you just wanted to just only keep like the kick drums, for instance, and just have like an electronic kick being triggered, nice, very, very quick. Because uh, the one thing I think is interesting about this, this is a significant update, obviously, going from version 8 to version 9. Now, bearing in mind that we've been on version 8, um, 
how I'm I'm not sure a Mike, while. five four years it's a long three three and a half years four years it's been a long time where whereby when you look at the the, the previous iterations of live it had gone up virtually once a year starting from I think was it uh, yeah it was 2002 wasn't it uh, ah yeah so since 2009 I think that's where it kind of uh, so it's taken a number of years. Now, the interesting thing, I think, is that version 8 came under a lot of fire when that was released because prior to that, it had really built its reputation and being absolutely solid as a rock. Brilliant. Well, yeah, I, I did actually speak to the uh, uh, Ableton guys a couple of weeks ago, or last week sometime, and you know, they, a lot of what they've been doing in the, for this release is fixing bugs and just making it absolutely solid again. Yeah, so I mean, I was that, that's exactly what I was going to say then. So, and so far, I've been really impressed with nine in terms of its. Um, it just does feel very good somehow. It's weird to talk about the feel of software, but you know, it does seem to feel very snappy and responsive. The the, the new reworked EQ is amazing. It's such a powerful sound and EQ, um, as in you can really hear quite small changes. Uh, so it feels. I, and of course, you can pop out the view of the EQ now, uh, and that's really, really nice. Um, I've the the browser as well, which may sound yeah, that that that, that, that um, Robert it's Lippock is it's completely different, and the browser is significantly better actually. And you just think when you start using it at first, just you know, I got so used to in in the past, you had like three little kind of places that you could kind of set as your as your personal store as your personal places, yeah. which initially was a really cool, cool kind of idea, but has kind of, this new one, it just kind of, it just, it's just so much better. And the fact that you can have lo- loads of your own d- defined libraries always there on the left-hand side, um, things like that really help, you know, again, Ableton Live, if there's any software that's, uh, that's about um, workflow, then it's that one, you know. Yeah. It, and 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 I think that a great thing with the new piece of software, then I suppose, is that it's pretty much business as usual, folks. You know, it's just you're not going to be. It's not like a radical reworking of anything other than the browser, as I mentioned. But as I say, everyone will be duck to water to it. That that's not a problem. All right. Okay. Dave, have you uh, have you been exposed to this at all? Is this something that you've actually uh, had the opportunity to check out? I mean, being a um, you know a developer and all that. Yeah. I mean, obviously, we've used it. But purely for testing purposes, I'm very interested. In fact, last week on the way home uh, with Gaz, we were talking quite in detail about the whole uh, audio to MIDI conversion stuff, which I'm really interested in because it, is, it does offer a, something really flexible. And I do, and I use it in Logic a lot. I've used it in Melodyne a lot. You know, one of the things when I'm doing um, uh, sound effects for films and stuff like that is that you would you would take some audio. You'd time stretch it, you'd muck about with it, but then you would output that as MIDI and then you would assign that to some, you know, some really incredibly cool patch that you've got that you've created on a synth or something really unique. So all of these all of these things are really interesting to me, definitely. Mm. Got, well how does it cope with things like pitch bends very quickly, Gareth? Or does uh, it? Yeah, it sort of ah, no, that's a good point. Because it I think it renders everything Oh, that's a very good point. I can't. I'll, the things like Melodyne, they always yeah. have problems, don't they? With and then, yeah. actually, if you listen to, you know, people that kind of sing along in the car, mm. they very rarely hit the note directly, and that's 
that's all to kind of you know, ramp I, I, up to it or ramp down. I just wondered how accurate that would be. I'll have to test that further, but it's a good point. Um, I've got an example lined up here, so if I'll just play it, there's a bit of a, it's a bit of a keyboard solo, and then it goes into a key change, and then this is how it... Can you hear this? Yeah. Okay, I'll skip forward a bit. Oh, sorry. Right. So, so we're moving into this next section now. Keyboard change. Okay. So I was thinking... Okay. So uh, I then took that organ then, rendered it through the thing, and then now this is what it sounds like with this MIDI tracking it. Okay, so it goes up to the key change, the synth comes in. That's not playing it, hang on. <laughs> <laughs> Let me just figure out what's going on. Um, so, I think the creative per- potential, though, is, is so huge. Um, yeah, I mean, that's what it sounds like. It sounds like it could be a very, uh, a, a very useful thing. And, and we'll be very interested to hear what your thoughts are as it carries on, because I think it's, it's, it's still in beta. I mean, I don't suppose it's going to be happening anytime this year, uh, as we're nearly at the end of the year, probably early next year when it's going to come out, right? Yes. Um, and... Sorry, I'm just trying to get that thing working. I've realised that I've frozen it for some reason because I've got I've, I've set up a, a couple of audio outputs from my audio interface to come in to do the talking. Right. Omnisphere isn't r- rooted out of that, hence my uh, embarrassment there. Um, if you just talk on, I'll just get that. Okay. Example. Well, uh, I, I mean, I think. The whole thing about you know any software though as it becomes you know comes to a massive overhaul like this, I mean everybody gets a bit jumpy, don't they? Because you've got half the people who kind of want radical change, and then the other half the people who want it to stay exactly the same. And there's this sort of middle path that goes sort of threads through it that is got to be very difficult to do. I mean, I don't know how you do. You have that sort of problem, Dave? Because I mean, mostly you do a version two, and it can be something completely different. I mean, it, you don't have to, you know. Do you try and stick to uh, a very specific? kind of form factor that is a flavour that how your instruments operate or do you like to try and reinvent things every time you kind of do stuff? No, I, I like incremental uh, improvements. Uh, I think that's kind of critical and also there are things that, you know, we can do now that we couldn't have done, you know, five years ago or ten years ago or whatever that were kind of pipe dreams. So it's a kind of it's basically trying to mesh those two things, just you know, get a little bit more performance, add a few more features. And I think live are really good at that. They don't constantly, or Ableton are really good at that. They don't constantly try and reinvent the wheel, which it's funny. I know that one of your topics, one of the topics is uh, about next year, but and I, I, I'm, I'm, it's very easy to get cynical and go, well, it'll be the same thing, won't it? It'll, be, it'll just be a different format. But actually, I don't, I kind of find this, this word revolutionary every five minutes is kind of irritating. What we want to see are steady and good improvements on things. Yeah, no, that's. I, I, I'm guessing also, Mike, for you, that must be, you know, because you teach modules, you don't want them to release something that's going to be completely unfamiliar and you have to start from scratch again, right? Yeah, ab- absolutely. Um, one of our biggest challenges is when software companies decide to bring out upgrades. 
because um, we've got a massive amount of computers here that have to be upgraded. And because of IT policies, um, they have to be done through disk images. So a new image has to be done and then it has to be redeployed over all the PCs. And you know, especially with things like um, iLocks and updating iLicenses to iLocks, we have a terrible time with upgrading Pro Tools and having to keep sorting out all the licenses on the iLocks. And I think it's, you know, our, one of our current challenges at the moment is on some of our Macs. Uh, reason 6 always boots up in 32-bit mode for some reason and doesn't boot up in 64-bit mode. And, and that, you know, when we upgraded there, that was a, a significant challenge. Um, so I think it's, you know, going on what Dave said there, I think it's so important that each little upgrade or anything that happens is just sorting out things that are maybe a little bit buggy and just keep going for stability all the time and making sure that the products are, are far more stable and can be used. Yeah. It really is important. It must be actually quite difficult to manage a team of kind of creative chomping at the bit coders if, you know, you're saying, oh, man, no, we can't do that. We can't do that. We can't, you know, because essentially what they want to do, I mean, and quite, you know, fair enough, really, is to kind of come up with fantastic, brilliant new things and kind of show their chops. And, you know, but actually we don't, we sort of think we want it, but actually we don't. I mean, Dave, I noticed you smiling there. I'm giggling, yeah. Actually, I have to say I'm probably the worst offender because I'm like, oh, yeah, what about this? But there's something we're working on at the minute and I'm... We had a very, very strictly defined set of parameters, and it's me. But things come as, as and when you play with things and explore things. There's, there's an engineering side of things, but then there's a kind of creative side of things. And, you know, I take care of the kind of creative side of things. And as you explore more and more deeply, you kind of go, oh, it'd be really cool if. And yeah. I, I know we've spoken about it before, but, you know, what my big passion is this whole marrying the engineering and creative side of things, because I think... The companies who get it right really get it right, and their instrument and and their products are very musical. And there are companies who don't, and their products are very engineering heavy, complex. And I've seen you know like maybe old school musicians sit in front of certain things and go, uh, "I don't really know. I don't know how to work this." It's interesting. Uh, 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 Fel Muso in the chat room says uh, car manufacturers what they do is they kind of stick with their pedestrian kind of you know, slow but steady, and then they come out with concept stuff as well, which is the thing that gets everybody drooling. And, you know, maybe, I mean, obviously, the industry's not quite perhaps big enough to be able to support those two methods of uh, development, but it's an interesting idea, that sort of blue-sky version, you know, of stuff going on as well. Feature creep is a real, you know, can be a real problem for any developer. But sometimes, you know, there'll be a... There's a moment. A, a very quick example was, say, with uh, Imp2, and we were going through the motions with that, and I had uh, Dale was in with me, and I was playing him this thing. I was going, oh, it sounds so amazing, it sounds like this. And actually, if there was a way of kind of panning the voices individually, it would just sound, these particular pads would sound so Obi-like. And John was there at the time, and he didn't say anything, he just went off. And then about three hours later, he emailed me saying... So I was over at somebody's studio and uh, he was telling somebody about the M2 and this rude bugger said if it had voice panning. So you'll see on this build there's a knob. Turn that knob up and see what you think. Wow. And we were just like, wow, what a massive difference. So it's very easy to go off on kind of... Well, no, it's interesting you should say that because uh, I just did the uh, Studio Logic Sledge and uh, that actually, um, you're very, very conscious of how right down the middle the voices are until you put the chorus on when it goes wee right to the side. But if they'd just given us sort of the ability to kind of do that, it would have been 
you know, it would have, it would make a massive difference to the way the. I don't know whether the engine is capable of it. I suppose that's the thing, you know, because it's the Blofeld engine. But yeah, interesting. A whole new dimension. Um, Gaz, I got this thing. Shall I play it? Go Sorry. on then. Let's have it. Oh well, I, it was just an example of it in working. Yeah. Yeah. This is this is the uh, so this is the with the on the organ the top line that you extracted yeah, yeah. and then added a synth. And then I didn't really do anything else to it, you see, and I think that was the key. Right. Uh, okay, so here's a key change synth now. Ah, so essentially what's happened there, I mean, you know, we're listening, we're probably listening for something really dramatic, but actually what that did is found a line for you in, yep. within those chords from the yep. audio. And yep. it, as a happy accident, it worked as something that you kept, yeah, right? I did a few little tweaks, I, I, and I used, uh, I, yeah, I put some modulation on a few notes, but other than that, the actual notes were, um, yeah, just like randomly picked out. And that was really cool because uh, it, you know, I, and I think that's, that's that creative thing, you know, where you just, sort of, I think because it's so easy to do now, yeah. live, those kind of things, it means it's really good fun and bang, you know. Sorry, the, it took me a while to, to play that example, but the actual thing itself is very, very quick and slick. Gotcha. Hey, I just realised it's time to, uh, to, 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 to say thank you to our sponsors. We've got, uh, our, obviously, Yamaha are our continued sponsor of the show. I'm going to press the button and see if the ad will play, because we should say thank you to them. So let's see if it's going to come. Any second now, there we are. This is, uh, I'll say thank you to the show sponsor, this Yamaha. They've got a world of musical applications, over 20 and counting, probably more since this ad copy was written. There's been even more added. It's a beautiful spherical kind of representation. We've got uh, synth, perform, art, uh, keyboard, art, drum pad, which is kind of like an arpeggiator, pads and sequencer. You've now got one with a built-in synth, which uh, uh, makes it even more possible. Uh, perform and play, faders and XY pad for controlling your MIDI kit. And you can basically just use that for interfacing with abstract MIDI equipment. There's voice edit and control for uh, interfacing with your actual equipment, your Yamaha equipment. It works with the, uh, let me see, the Motif XF, the Mox, the S90X, S70XS, Motif XS and Rack XS. You've got the same with multi-edit as well, which gives you access to the performance parameters like EQ and effects and the blends and the mixes of the various different parts. And these are applications that work specifically with Yamaha keyboards, as I, as I said. And uh, another one of my favourites is the... Uh, Setless Organizer, which we reviewed in an early version of Sonic Touch, which allows you to make uh, set notes and some pretty mini program changes and bank changes up to five sections per song. And uh, also take photos and notes on a cloud recorder. A whole lot of apps. Basically what you need to do is head over to iTunes and search out Yamaha Music Apps and you'll find exactly what's going on there or uk.yamaha.com. Yamaha's World of Apps. Thanks very much for their sponsorship in 2013. Uh, 2012, very much appreciated. And uh, may it continue long. Let's see if I can do a... Yes, there we go. That's, uh, I feel like, like uh, I don't know if anybody remembers Gus Honeybun. Gus Honeybun would do sort of things like that. So that, I'll, I'll do a, like, a, a noddy twist, you know, in, in appreciation of Yamaha, the show sponsors. Okay, well, what's next on the show? Um... um We've got a fairly sort of there's a there's a fairly eclectic sort of side of things. Obviously, we've got Cubasis for the iPad, which is a fairly big piece of news. Um, you know, I didn't really see that coming. They're kind of possibly the first major application developer outside of 
Apple themselves to create something that will do audio and MIDI and gives you that whole kind of thing. In fact, I think I've got a bit of a video here, which is from uh, Music Pro Product Tutorials. Let's see if I can switch to that just to give us a bit of... Uh so I've got to be really quiet tonight because everyone's gone to sleep, but I just wanted to show you a little preview of Cubasis on the iPad. So this is a version of Cubase. Now, I'm pretty sure Cubasis iOS used to be another application from Cubase. It was like a startup app, really wasn't it? I'm excited about it yes. because yeah. this is so much like a condensed version of Cubase. Gonna, so it's got all the grid edit and the kind of key edit and what have so you. And it looks fairly straight. You know, it looks, looks fairly... Just going to make a copy of it. Cool. I mean, it's quite an expensive really item. Nice that, thing is, is if you set something up like with a music oh, this is a good part. I'll come here. Let's go for, yeah, say rock organ. Double click on that. And then on here, you got keys. Some chords. Or you can actually go to the pads. That's neat. Chords, so you can set you can chords set on the pads. All right. So you can program some in here. So, you know, there's amazing, amazing scope. All right. So uh, I won't play the whole video, but that's uh, if you go to Music Pro Tutorials on YouTube, you'll be able to find that in full. And, then, you know, there's there's some interesting points in there. We're going to try and get hold of it. But it is it's forty four, forty nine dollars, fifty bucks. It's kind of not a, not a cheap item. Uh, Gaz, you're looking down. You haven't bought it, have you? No. <laughs> uh, my thoughts on it so far is. It does look really cool. Uh, it looks like something in between GarageBand and Aurea, I think. I think it's kind of six. Yeah, I mean, it'll do multiple tracks. I think it depends on the hardware. They reckon 24 stereo tracks on an iPad 2, 48 on an no, iPad 3. 48 on an iPad 2 and then 64. Oh, bloody hell. Right, loads. Yeah, yeah GarageBand is better value. There's no doubt about it. I mean, uh, Mike, is this going to be something that is going to show up in your in, in your tutorial? Is this going to muddy the waters or is it going to make things clearer? Um, I'm not really sure about this one, to be honest. I, I like the idea and I think I like the concept, but it's very much just taking Cubase and sticking it on an iPad, really. It doesn't seem to be too many sort of intuitive ways forward with that I think really what's getting me is how are you going to actually edit MIDI notes with yeah. on the with your finger you know, I don't I've know got to be honest, I've got to be honest, like the way that Nano Studio has implemented that on the iPad and actually GarageBand I think has copied the Nano Studio method is amazing <laughs> it's really good, it's actually better mm -hmm. than doing it with a mouse, it's really good because you can, you know cause, because it's, it's slippy it's really responsive. It feels kind of, it does what you expect it to do. Now, we did have a problem when we reviewed Aurea for Sonic Touch in the Aurea is, I mean, I felt a bit, it felt a bit sluggish. Yeah, I mean, with these things, it's going to be about the lag, isn't it? And the responsiveness. I mean, we yeah. don't know what that's, what that's like. I mean, he, uh, the, the, the chap on uh, Pro, Music Pro tutorials, tutorials didn't set, mention anything about that. He, you know, so that's it's... I would, that's what I would need to know. I mean, from what Mike was saying there, actually, I thought, ooh, Cubase, I've used Cubase for 20 years, so Cubase on the iPad is quite a tantalizing prospect. However, it would need to have that, as I say, slippy, responsive feel. Mm. Otherwise, I wouldn't want to do it. Mm. Well, I mean, you know, we'll probably get round to uh, looking at it if we if we can for Sonic Touch. Um, there may well be one more episode between um, Christmas and New Year. I'm not sure yet. We've I've nearly finished editing it, so I'm hoping it will uh, all, all shape up and that will be uh, uh, sampler. And what was the other application you looked at, Gaz? 
Well, we looked at Borderlands. Borderlands and also uh, iPoly 6. So, uh, yeah, look out for that. Um, so, But we'll, we will trust if we get... I'm, I'm certainly not buying it. Not at 50, 50 bucks. Uh, that's just not going to happen. So, <laughs> Same with me. I, I don't need it, but I'd like to try it. Yeah, exactly. I think what I struggle with is actually the advert that they've got. That chap, is it Dieter or something? I don't know. He's, he doesn't seem like the best choice for... <laughs> It's I know cringe, it's, 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 every time, it's hard. To, it's hard not to appear unkind, but it doesn't seem like they've made the what right. What was that thing with that girl going past and him kind of <laughs> doing his leering? It's really strange. He did that thing where he checked her out as she walked away, didn't he? You could see him well, looking at her bum. When I was when I was looking at the the video and watching it um, just before the show. I got stuck and I had to keep rewinding that part because I thought, no way is this dude doing this. He was like, and thank you. And then goes on to the next bit. That just blew my mind, to be honest. I thought, well. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's funny, isn't it? I, I mean, I think the, the thing is you have, no, you know, you have no idea how people are going to present themselves in terms of uh, creativity. It's very easy to make crappy adverts um, for all sorts of things. And... Um, it's quite hard to make things if you're trying to be very specifically nonchalant to not appear slightly desperate. I think, I think that's the problem that you get. It just doesn't, yeah, it's, it's tricky, but yeah, so I think, um, highly stylized would be a fair way of dis- describing that advert. Would, would it be? <laughs> oh, it's perfect in time for Christmas. Yeah, it is. He should have been wearing this hat. Really? <laughs> yeah. Maybe yeah I'll send- ham it up. Ham it up. Yeah. Let's have him dressed as Santa. <laughs> anyway yeah so Cubasis for iPad out now we'll try and get it on Sonic Touch as soon as we can it's going to be a bit tight because obviously NAM's coming up and you know so that means a whole slew of new stuff uh, I suppose that might lead us kind of quite nicely into pr- predictions for next year really because I mean obviously um, you know what are we going to be expecting I mean there's there's, there's going to be a whole load of new things coming out um, I, I don't know well, Dave I, I suspect that you might have a slightly irreverent um, idea about what we might expect to see next year how about everything the same but in a slightly different colour yeah no it's the same shit different format that's exactly what it most of it will be uh, no I do know of a few things that are coming out and one I don't know for sure but I've got a bit of an inkling due to somebody's fast, uh, Facebook posts and that's quite exciting. Uh, other than that, I don't know. There, we'll we'll have a few things, but we're elusively we've got. Yeah, no, don't bits don't commit to even next year, Dave. You know what's going to happen. Oh yeah, shit. <laughs> I mean, pardon me. <laughs> I do beg your pardon. Um, obviously, but, I mean, obviously, Logic X is going to probably happen next year. So um, I'm looking forward to that. You know, I mean, after all that discussion, I don't want to start that whole Apple thing up again. So perhaps we should leave it there. But the other thing, perhaps we're going to see a polyphonic monotribe or a monotron of some description. So that's my feeling. I think Korg will probably do it. An, an analog polysynth. Uh, and I think it'll, you know, at a really unbelievably low price point. That would I, be interesting. I mean, yeah. I'm not sure how um, eight mono, monotron voices would sound. I think it would be really quite unpleasant <laughs> uh, <you laughs> potentially know. i mean maybe through the little speaker <laughs> i don't know if it would be in that range or whether it would be like the you know 
do we? Do, I mean, do you get the sense that there are going to be more synthesizers? I mean, we've had the success, you know, because there's been you know really big product from th- this year, which still hasn't really kind of hit the markets yet because of the pr- construction, you know, because of the production issues. You know, they're getting there now. Is the Artoria Mini Brew, and and, and that is a brilliant but imagining demand, of hardware, and and you know, demand for that is unprecedented. Really, it's uh, you know, it's really is showing huge desire. So. Hence my feeling that if if they don't go for the poly the analog poly, I think that's a you know that's a huge market the cheap analog poly market you know yeah um, uh, happy fun team in the chat room says the mini Schmidt uh, everybody will be able to afford one the i Schmidt i Schmidt yeah Schmidt <laughs> the Schmidt happens. Yes. <laughs> uh, of course, uh, the that, legend- what a great advert that would be, wouldn't it? That would. The legendary. I, I think they use that for, um, who's the guy, the, the, the head of, uh, the CEO of Google's called Eric Schmidt, isn't he? And they hit the Schmidt stuff Schmidt says. Schmidt, Schmidt happens and what have you. But also, uh, of course, because it was announced at Messer, Messer Schmidt, of course, um, was the, uh, the, the best oh, one yeah. of all. Um, though, but I mean, I know, what else? And Mike, what do you think? What do you think we're going to see some more of next year? Um... I think we're going to still see a lot of iPad development and yeah. hopefully see a lot of really nice um, ways of controlling devices using iPads. Um, I'm hoping that, that that innovation still continues. I'm also hoping that there's going to be a lot more innovation in different ways of being able to, to communicate with your with your synths and things. You know, that, that link that was sent out last week, that unfortunately I didn't get time to, to, to get dug in about, but I did order one was the leap motion where you can put your hands in and play the little harp. Yeah. Um, so I'm keen to see a little bit more of development in that. Um, Sam, I'm interested to see how how the new Microsoft Connect is actually going to be used um, along with things like Max for Life and different performances because I knew that there's going to be a, a new camera with a greater depth of field so it can pick up more of the body's image and things. And I think really what I'm hoping for is is something new from Access, really, because I'm a great lover of the Access virus. I have a virus TI2 that I, I love so much, but I can't stand the total integration because it's USB 1. I think I had a whinge about this the first time I was on. I'm hoping that they do something with that this year and try and make that a bit better or bring out something new because, like Ableton, it's been a while since they've done something new. So yeah, I, I think see. that's a very good point, and uh, and we'll we'll be seeing them. I think I've got a, an appointment booked in already for Nam, so I'm going to go be seeing them there. Uh, I, but yeah, I, I would like to see. I mean, I would really like to see some more development of, um, you know, in the Android because we've got these amazing tablets coming out, and we've got the Surface Pro, which is the Microsoft thing, which is I mean, it still sounds like a bit expensive, but there, there's all these kind of cheap tablets that have got really kind of quite powerful processors, certainly equaling what the iPad can do. And I just really, you know, once somebody cracks or maybe, you know, Google introduce uh, a a change to the kernel so that there is more real-time priority so that the latency issues can be dealt with, then I think it's going to really take off. I mean, that's what it's going to take. It's going to take just that, you know, as for the same reason I got excited about the the Surface because of the idea that, you know, it's something that will, a foil to Apple's monopoly. You know, that's what I want to see, really, because I don't want, one company being in charge of everything it's you know no matter who they are really mm-hmm. i'm also hoping that there's going to be um a bit more of a push on how to collaborate online with software because i know that um that vst sessions or something it's called in cubase 7 where you can VST connect record vst connect that's it yeah um 
more more things like that would be good because I remember Ableton looked at some form of live sharing and collaboration in version seven, and then that got shelved. And then there's talk of Bitwig Studio coming out just round the corner with with a lot of this built in. So I mean, I'm really excited to see if anybody really manages to get a to nail it. handle on that. Yeah, that will be good. I think the key to all of this stuff is really going to be um, bandwidth, isn't it? And and also. That because when any of this collaborative stuff happens, you do need some serious computing power because it's essentially got to render these proxies super fast so that they can go immediately to the the person who you're working with, and then you know in the background it'll replace it with the uh, with the sort of the full res version. So that it's going to require but an increase in bandwidth and and the sort of the management of. Uh, resources within a, within the CPU. I mean, the chat room is saying yeah, that there's the Ohm Studio stuff, mm. and I, I, unfortunately, that hasn't really sort of taken off. I mean, one thing that I would also like to see is um, this kind of change from the cloud paradigm because cloud is great, but the thing I don't like is working on something and then having it be set in stone. It's like, no, no, I wanted to save this as another version, as an alternative. You, I don't know how you do that in Cloudland. You have to make a copy before you start. And if you're working in sort of projects that have all the assets self-contained, you're duplicating enormous amounts of data. And I think those kind of things need to be solved and thought out a little bit more carefully. Mm-hmm. Certainly for some things like, you know, I mean, Final Cut Pro X or Final Cut X or whatever it's called, you have to do it that way. And that's kind of like, uh, well, at least the way I've said, and, and there are other applications that are say, the same, and I think that needs to be sorted out a little bit because I don't want to be schlepping huge amounts of data around. You know, the docu, the edit document should be the smallest part, but when it's all saved together, you just end up with these kind of crazy, you know, amounts of data, and it's it it so goes so against my, you know. All I've ever done, you know, with computing, it's like ever since floppy disks, is you do the saving, you do the saving stuff, and then you kind of open another copy, and, and I just want that solved. Mm-hmm. Oh, look, Mark's back. <laughs> he might actually be able to participate. He's taking his coat off, but we'll leave him, we'll leave him to get settled. Um, there, is there anything else that we wanted to cover? Did anybody um, get into the, uh, the track of the year stuff that I was finding that because I, I discovered this guy that I'm just I'm really excited about because I just thought this mix was absolutely awesome I'll play this first this guy Zed who's you know 22 and there was uh, this is a mix if I see if I play this without getting sued there's just a section in it which is absolutely mind-boggling this is uh, Zed Spectrum featuring Matthew Coma I don't know if that's the singer and there's a breakdown uh, which comes at about a minute let's see if I can get to it but rather than play the whole thing it's coming up Now, I know this is very electro house and it's got very genre, but let's just. I'm just getting loads of flack from the chat room for my terrible <laughs> poppy taste. Um, this guy Zed is like 22, and he he just sent a mix. He just contacted uh, Skrillex on on Facebook saying, "Oh, I've got a mix." He's oh, classically playing Tree at and and just got signed, and now he's producing all sorts of people. The last 20 seconds, the last 20 seconds, play that. That's more like where the real action is. 
Yeah, that's right. Yeah. That was that bit. That was the extended. Yeah. But, but I mean, I, I really like to know who mixes his stuff. I'd have to check that. If he mixes it as well, because it's just genius mixing. It's just a brilliant piece of synth pop dance production. I don't know. I like that. But this, this came from this article that was uh, Beatport's. Uh, oh, if, uh, if we go here, Beatport's uh, top ten must hear tracks and remixes of the year, which frankly I was pretty underwhelmed by, apart from that one track, which just blew my mind a little bit, perhaps more than it should have. I know, Dave Spears, did you get any kind of uh, deep musical joy out of, uh, out of any of that stuff? Or if not, have you got anything else? <laughs> uh, I, well, I did have that one that I sent you. No, I, I thought Matey Boy was good. It's interesting, because my nipper, I say nipper, she's 16, uh, is like totally into Skrillex, Skrillex and that's kind of all I had to listen to during the summer we got this really cool car with a really good really really cool bluetooth hi-fi system and she was just like dude I can do this from my iPod you know and it was so everywhere we went and and actually the couple of tracks that she played a lot I thought were borderline genius and then as she played the entire album, I began yeah. to realise that they were all the same and it was all the same kind of presets and stuff like that. So, yes, that was my kind of thought with... Scrotex. Somebody's written Scrotex. That's fantastic. I might have to use that. Uh, somebody, will call, somebody will bring out a synth called that, won't they? Well, there needs to be a patch called Scrotex, perhaps, isn't there? Yeah. Dave, yeah, get yeah. on it. So, get yeah. your best sound designers on it. Definitely. We, we, had, we did have one patch called The Axis of Evil, but we the Axis of use that. But... I mean, the interesting thing about this, this, um, just the whole kind of stuff, we were talking about this when you sent a, a link through as well, was just the balls to use such bright sounds. I mean, I just don't think I'd ever have the nerve to have so much top end in anything I do, because it just feels like, just a subtle and kind of, oh, this is nice, and all of them, bam! Because, I mean, the thing about they've got it is just the energy and the balls of it really is what impresses me it's just like wow how you know that takes a lot of uh... i was thinking about this since i since we had that kind of brief conversation because like i said to you you know i'm all I, i'm very nervous to use kind of really high-end bright synthy things but i think that comes from an absolute loathing of synth brass <laughs> if it even gets the 80s that's what it did synth brass yeah you just kind of want to go and top yourself yeah, it was, it was difficult for me because I had to make a... Uh, somebody said, can you make an OB-type synth brass patch on the uh, on the sledge? And I did have a go, but it just felt so wrong to, to, <laughs> to me. <laughs> but, you know, people people need that. You know, people use them, people need them, it's fine, you know. Oh, we seem to have Mark's back as well. I, think it's I was going to interject and say... Go. Uh, don't you think it's got something to do with all these very robotic-sounding voices? Because the robotic-sounding voices have a very strange kind of yeah. almost synthetic top end, which yeah. if you put them on their own in a mix, they don't sound like they should be there. But if you make everything else really bright and bring it all up into that frequency range, it actually makes that bright synthetic voice sound more real in a weird sort of way. So... I wonder if they're just trying to sort of, you know, subconsciously or unconsciously. Yeah, well, maybe you're right. It's just the shifting of the frequency spectrums. Yeah. yeah, I mean that's an interesting point, Mark. And and yeah, I, I'm I'm very conscious of there's that sound. It's like the Rihanna kind of what is it? It's like a kind of 
uh, 8K kind of harmonic that's just like bang, really sort of it's like a glass on top of everything. I mean, I don't know whether she's got that in her voice naturally, but everybody seems to be emulating that and whether it's auto-tune that brings it in or whatever, you know, it's just... I think it's that partly, but I think it's also the fact that people are listening on mobile phones. So we used to mix everything to kind of peak everything around 1K so it sounded good on radio and then put that really bright fizz in at around 15, 16K on voices especially. So you pick up the kind of almost like the phlegm in the back of the throat kind of Well, that's what the pull text for, isn't it, basically, isn't it? That's the sort of, yeah. So, I mean, we we would do that, but that's no longer appropriate to somebody who's listening to music on an iPhone because they probably won't ever hear that. Yeah, and probably also maybe what's happening is they get the stems delivered as MP3s anyway. So, <laughs> so it's never there yeah. in the first place. <laughs> but I mean, I've had to do that. You know, we've we've, we've you use the technology that, that that's there, but it's an interesting uh, interesting idea. I mean, you know, you can consider this guy. The thing about that Z guy is what that's quite interesting. There's there's a couple of videos that he's released of him just playing the piano where he's put the chords, he's played the chords to, you know, the song. And it's also quite inventive because he's, he's, he's classically trained. So he's actually musically, you know, as well as one thing he says is, you know, yeah, okay, the soundscape is great and it's a nightmare making a dance album because by the time you've finished it, the sounds that you were using in the first one are irrelevant by the time the single comes out. So you've got this sort of ridiculous situation where the, during the time it's taken you to make a record it's come, become dated. I mean, that's how fast it's got, you know, and that's, that's an interesting point. And obviously very aware. I mean, the guy's 22. Jesus. Mm. To be wow. that aware, it seems um, quite terrifying to me. Yep, some good calls there. Yes. I'm going to plug my lot because they emailed me yesterday saying, uh, we use your stuff, blah, 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 and go and have a look at this video and go and check this out. And they are called Black Light Dinner Party. And... I thought they were really excellent because sometimes we get stuff and I kind of go, oh, that's five minutes, I'll never get back in my life. But this brought the whole room to a standstill and on top of that, in their video, they've got Ron Jeremy. Yeah, I saw that. Actually, I was watching the video. I mean, in fact, I meant to have it lined up for, for a play as well because we've got a couple of tracks to play. Gaz has also sent me a, um, a track to play from her, his latest recording. Let me see if I can find yours, Dave. I'm sorry. I'm, uh, Dave, uh, not exactly. Dave. Yeah, here we go. Let's see if I can get that, and I'll bring that up online, and we can play a bit of that at some point as well, hopefully. Fit that one in. Maybe I'll do it now. Here we go. This is uh, Black music, Blacklight Dinner Party. We'll have a little bit of that. It's more sort of funky, isn't it? And also, interestingly, it sounds very unquantized, which is quite unusual. But it also reminds me a little bit of, uh, what's that owl? um? I won't play it all because uh, it's my earbuds are hurting. I've got. I, I like think get... it reminded me a bit of that everything, everything lot, and uh, there was another band, wasn't it? Oh, was it Friendly Fires? Ah, uh, yeah, but good. Doctor Drum, impressive. On and I love all those old synth sounds, except I haven't really got the confidence to kind of go uh, to be as upfront as as they were. With yeah, that. I know what you mean. Which is nice. Very nice. So thank you, I don't guys. think I've quite got the confidence to be as upfront as Ron Jeremy, actually. <laughs> well, not many people point. have, I think. To be honest, Mark. Mark, I'm glad you could make it back. I just wanted to get what did you what were you wanted to get your thoughts on predictions of technology 
for next year, just as a quick interjection, because I, I was going to ask you, but you were still taking your coat off. Oh, I see. Okay. Well, I think it's got to be something around that leap technology, hasn't it? Because if, if the leap thing is coming out and it works, uh, then I'm sure all the other, all the computer manufacturers are going to be right on that. If it looks like it's something that's going to be uh, get a good market share, isn't it? So. Uh, I imagine lots of musical applications where we can wiggle our fingers in front of our computers and they'll do really interesting things. I'm hoping, anyway. Sorry, I'm just laughing at the uh, Ron Jeremy jokes that are coming in. Um, there's, a, there's a fantastic one there, which Ron Jeremy has a classically trained penis and I don't have the tools to be up front like Jeremy. Absolutely brilliant. Good. Uh, I'm glad the chat room managed to descend it into uh, disgust uh, rather than us. So I I'm only sure read it out. I didn't some, write it. I'm sure he's been in some normal films as well though hasn't he he's not I just a i think he was wasn't adult. he in um he's been in some of those um like into the valley of the dolls that kind of stuff i don't know who the guy who makes those movies anyway it's hamlet hamlet shakespeare yeah the something like that i'll tell you what i loved about that film though that film has got or the video for that song it's got a fabulous storyline that doesn't necessarily follow the lyric of the song and you actually I actually, I mean, it's not the kind of music I'd normally listen to, but I felt so compelled to find out what would happen next that I ended up watching it all the way through to the end. So if they can, if, you well, know, you it literally touches a chord where you kind of like go, oh, oh, I must find out what happens to this chain now as you're watching it. So <laughs> I think really clever, really clever. Um, that is uh, just to get black light dinner party gold chain. If you search for that, you'll be able to, to find this and see Ron Jeremy, um, doing his thing as well and listen to some some great music anybody else Gaz did you get any joy out of that top 10 was there anything in there that kind of made you think oh yeah that's all good or is it all a bit um, not not really my cup of tea but I did like that the tune that you picked out um, I wasn't sure about it until it did get to that last sort of the last section and then he just kind of starts really showing off and then I kind of got it then uh, but yeah not sure okay that's <laughs> yeah. fair enough <laughs> I'm more of a band. I'm on some, you know, that's the sort of a stuff. A band I'm, guy. Band. Okay, Mike, I'm coming to you. Do your, uh, do, do your, do you get, I mean, you must get quite a lot of stuff coming through because you've obviously got lots of kids coming through the college who must be, you know, some of their chops must be really out there and kind of really quite pushing the boundaries. I, I mean, I'm, I'm making assumptions. Do you get exposed to a lot more music this way? Yeah, we do. We've got a right interesting bunch, actually. We This year in particular, there's a lot more band-focused guys. Um, but in the previous years, we've had um, everybody that's been into Sonic Art doing some really bizarre stuff um, with broken cymbals and dropping coins in water and creating big soundscapes. And, and then we've had some guys doing amazing electro house choppy sort of stuff along the lines of that young French dude. I think it's Madian when he did Pop Culture last year. I thought that and that was fantastic. I think it's got over 2 million hits on YouTube with him using a launch pad and he had 30 different tracks all mashed up together. It's a fantastic, fantastic thing. So a lot of our kids were, were into that, especially that type of sound that Gaz mentioned just in the last 20 seconds of that track seems to be quite popular along the lines with this new sort of glitch hop sort of sound that's coming out, a fusion of, of sort of dubstep and things. But I, as far as tracks are concerned, I kind of, I kind of love that rudimental track with um, what's his name, John John Newman, featuring John Newman. That feel the love. It's a bit of a drum and bass 
sort of euphoric type track and I like it because when I play it I tend to break the speed limit a lot going to work and you know it's a good rush <laughs> really <laughs> nice I wonder if there's going to be because um, I mean do you remember that we used to get patch randomization in uh, in all these kind of Atari DX7 um, programmers do you think there's going to be a plugin that's basically going to do the same thing to do because those those cut-ups are really really sort of s- quite uh there's a sound in one you know everything's got a different spot do you think we're going to end up with some plugin that does that for you sounds like it might be a good idea i hope not, it no the, well they make stutter edit which is yeah. it, do, it does the cut-up stuff but it doesn't do the substitution in quite the same way i mean you might be able to figure out how to do it but uh, well, i think i think that's the genius in being able to produce those tracks is the is the effort and the time and skill that's went into pinpointing those unique little slices and stringing them all together you know i think you know there was a little interview on how the guy did it um, and he was—he had a had a melody in his head, and he would look through all the different phrases in the tracks, and he would pick the small, maybe a bar or two bars or a few notes, and he would string it together to create that melody, wow. which was created up through cut-ups. And I think that's brilliant. That's just genius yeah. the way that you're doing that. I think. Man, give me more. Give me more of that. Brilliant. He must be like a. He must be like a Korg wave station, then, mustn't he? <laughs> must yeah. think like. He's one. a wave. He's a wave. Uh, he's a, oh, a right, wave sequencer. Good bit old-fashioned though isn't it the Korg wave station <laughs> it's funny because that's what dave gamson was saying about you know people like dr luke and max what what's his name he said they rarely use midi stuff it's all audio that's literally just chop 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 well you because can get you can get the timing you can, you absolutely can get the absolute gate can't you and that just big saturation stop. yeah because that, that's the thing about those gaps are just so silent when you're comp- when you're dealing with a waveform that's toothpaste and then gone, it's just really sort of that's what makes oh. it dramatic, I suppose. That's the most important thing with that is is getting those chops bang on, and that's that's what makes that style of music so good because it, to the point it's so clinical, but it, it has that perfect timing. Not to say that some of the earlier dance music was good in its own right, because it was a little bit more sloppy with the timing going out, but. Especially no, that, that's quite thing. interesting because actually, because some of those grooves and the swings in the cut-ups, you can't rely on feel for that. You have to know what the tick values are. and you, there's a, Yeah, it's a different process, I yeah. guess, isn't it? Unless you're playing it with kind of somehow playing it in. I don't know. Hmm. I think that's, that's what's really good using, you know, when you use programs like Ableton Live in the session view, you can, you get that, um, that arena to, to attempt those types of things because especially using something like a launch pad or something, you can actually have all your little clips set up and individually quantize each clip and then just trigger them and play about until you actually get something that works. And I think, it's, it's again, it's a lot of experimentation and I think that's really good for people to do that. And we've got the technology now to break the boundaries of experimentation and really come up with some interesting stuff. Yeah, definitely. We seem to have lost two of our um, panel members. That have got. Dave, you've gone for more snacks. Yeah. I'm here, but I've got to go because uh, it's my daughter's presentation evening at school, and I've just been told that I've got to be at home by six forty. So I'm going to vanish and say happy Christmas to everybody, and I'm going to leave you with an impression, you like this. I'm going to get me that rabbit, <laughs> Mr. Fudd. <laughs> Dave, happy Christmas! Thank you so much for all your participation and no, um, you, your Nick. generous generosity with your time, and have a great Christmas break. And enjoy the new house. I'll have to come and visit you one day. Yeah, definitely. Um, and yeah, maybe between Christmas and New Year, if you're on, if you're on your going anywhere and not unpacking packing boxes, give us a ring. Yeah, definitely. 
Take okay. care. Thank you Thank very you, much. Guys. And I, I think we'll probably use this as a, as, a, as a time to say goodbye to everybody else. We'll say also Mike Gregg, who's uh, <clears throat> just ducked out a shot there as I switched to him inevitably. Mike, um, happy holidays. I hope you're, um, you get a, a restful uh, time away from college and you can kind of, uh, they shut the doors and you don't get, when do you go back? Uh, we go back on the March 7th. sometime? Uh, well, yeah, hopefully <laughs> never. <laughs> Oh, look there. Mark's got a little Santa. Anyway, thank you very much, Mike. Very much appreciate you having you here. Merry Christmas, everybody. And also, uh, we'll say thank you very much. Gaz Williams, who's there in the corner. We're going to play him out if he talks. Yeah. Uh, he might gonna... talk. We're going to play you out. You've got, we've got, well, actually, I'll go to Mark first, because then you can describe what, what it is that, you're, that I'm going to be playing. Okay, so I forgot to Mark. Mark Tinley. I can't describe what you're going to be playing. Hey, Mark Tinley there with a, a Santa. Oh, oh, it's a... Um, I've been trying to get one of these for ages. They're, they're Lego. That's a um, Playmobil Santa, isn't it? No, it's Lego. It's one of the new series of Lego minifigures. <laughs> Fabulous. Anyway, thank you very much, Mark. I've I'm... already said thank you to everybody, but I'll say it again because I do really enjoy doing this, and so thank you very much to you for having me. Oh, well, any time. You're always welcome, and everybody for, always is. Uh, for coming and listening because without them, of course, it wouldn't be any point <laughs> it in doing it. It would just be us. <laughs> so uh, everybody have a great christmas have a great christmas everybody and yes and thanks to all of the people that are listening as well and we'll also say um so gaz you're going to tell us a little bit about you've got a song that is uh that you're going to play us out. this is something that you wrote right what, what yeah, you wrote it was just a little bit of a it was just a bit venting my spleen apple a little bit and uh, it was for a session for radio wales um and it's uh, it's a song called Phantom Phone Vibration, and it's just uh, it's just a playful song. We just performed it live for the first time the other day, and it's just it's just really good fun to do. I was just I, I felt, you know, because we do this show Sonic Touch, and I've just been feeling that Apple have been doing things which is so far removed from the way I like to, you know, what I believe in now, and I'm feeling this real kind of. I feel like I'm trapped between these two things, you know, that I love the innovation on the iPad. I love it. So that's what I'm, why I like to chat, what I like to champion. But the, uh, but the, you know, the, the, the continual corporate shenanigans that Apple are up to just sort of really make me sick, you know. I'm, <laughs> so, yeah, so I vented it in a song. I have absolutely no idea what I'm about to play, so I don't know if it's full of... Um, no, no. <laughs> I haven't had time to vet it. <laughs> entirely obscure so guys uh once again um this is going to be the last show until i think the first show back is going to be the 9th of january um and then uh we've got one on the 16th and then it's nam time and then so our 300th episode is going to be th- we figured out it's the 6th of february i think it is Woo-hoo. so uh yeah th- i'm gonna have to figure out how to do something plan through while whilst dealing with nam uh, I, I, I it might have to be um <clears throat> postponed a little bit but anyway so yeah we're going to be a bit dark between christmas and new year there won't be much news or anything going on so uh we, i might try we've got another sonic talk and a couple of, another sonic touch and a couple more uh reviews on the guitar side coming out but once again thanks to everybody for for listening thanks to all the people in the chat room who come here every week and give up their time and uh you know risk getting caught by their boss and listening at work i'm guessing there's probably not many christmas, of those everybody. happy christmas everybody we'll give them all a big wave shall we Yay. Happy Christmas, Woo. and we will now, um, let's play out with the phantom phone vibration, which is over here, so I'm going to pray this, I have no idea what's going to happen. <laughs>
This is a live recording, right? Get live. Wow. <laughs> 